on this new edition of yours, Dave Messenger. He is the new EDI and Disability Access Officer. He speaks to Yuans about his new role at Watford Football Club and about some of the inner workings of the club off the field and thoughts on the latest signings at Vicarage Road. There have been some more and Watford aren't done yet. This is Yuans. <laughs> With me right now uh, on this episode of You Owns is my first guest. It's someone who has put smiles on the faces of Watford fans across the world with his generosity and kindness and tireless work and dedication to making the Watford fan experience at Vicarage Road the ultimate experience at Vicarage Road and one of the very best in sports. I have the real honor of introducing to you the one, the only Mr. Dave Messenger. Dave, welcome to You Owns. Thank you, Omar. That's, that's something of a build-up. How am I going to follow? How am I going to live up to that? That was uh, that was amazing, and, and the fifty-pound checks in the post as well for the kind words. <laughs> Certainly, Dave. Uh, it's just a really, really great to have you on. It's lovely to have oh, you. You're welcome. Thank and you. I want to say thank you uh, on a personal note, and I'm sure on behalf of Watford fans everywhere for all the wonderful and kind, very generous things you did as the supported liaison officer. Uh, for Vicarage Road at Watford Football Club. And I, and um, it's just wonderful that uh, all the great things you've done. I hope you know that Watford fans everywhere appreciate what you've done as a supporter liaison officer. That's really kind of you to say so. Thank you. I think, um, yeah, there's a few messages that I received around the sort of time when my job changed. Was, it was really heartening and really nice to hear those sorts of thoughts. So, yeah, lovely of you to say so. And uh, it's been a, it's been a great great honour actually to be the first SLO at Watford and um, hopefully the next person is going to be just as good as me if not, so. better, if not better if not better <laughs> well they've got some huge they've got some huge shoes to fill let me tell you that um, and I do wish them well as well but um, you really have set the gold standard Dave for, for that particular position and you've, you've now transitioned on to a new position uh, your new position which is the EDI and Disability Access Officer at Watford Football Club. And I wanted to just ask you a few things about that and also mm -hmm. a few things about what the club does behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. So can you first tell us about what a EDI and Disability Access Officer does and what does EDI stand for? Okay, so, um, so EDI is Equality, Diversity and Inclusion. Um, and those of, those of you out there, supporters listening in that have been following our work in this, in this area for the last couple of years will hopefully know that we, we achieved the advanced standard of the Premier League Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Scheme. Um, we're only the ninth club to achieve that. And we were one of the one of only three clubs to have achieved it the first time we were put in for it. So we were, we were incredibly proud of that honour and incredibly proud to have uh, achieved that. Um, what happens when you get to the advanced stage is you don't, they don't just sort of go, well done, here's a, here's a certificate and congratulations. You kind of you finish the process and, and it starts over again. So we, we liken it to winning the Premier League and then being asked to go and win the Premier League again the following season. So essentially the scheme starts again, it sort of rolls over and the, the Premier League Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Scheme will have a health check for us. So essentially we'll spend the next two years proving that we're still doing all that good stuff and improving in for even further on the good stuff that we've been doing that got us to the advanced stage in the first place. So one of the things that the club wanted to do is to increase our... <clears throat> 
increase the number of people actually working in the EDI area because previously we had our EDI lead, Sam Gillings, who's done a fantastic job in in promoting the club and, and, and leading the club to that advanced standard. So I'm working now closely with Sam and um, assisting basically with that with that work. And um, Sam, one, you know, just one person. So having doubled the number of people that are working on there hopefully will help us to to achieve what we need to do to, to, to retain our advanced status when we next go to the panel. So in a nutshell, that's the that's the sort of the, the role, the disability access side of it is something I've been doing for a few years anyway, as part of the SLO role. And that's about making sure that our provision for disabled fans is, is as good as it can be and about um, trying to improve our provision as and when we can. So that work is, for me is pretty much continuing as it as it has been for the last few years. But now I've got much more focus on the on the EDI side of it, equality, diversity and inclusion. So that will be working with people like the Proud Hornets and uh, women of Watford support group that have just started up but beyond that as well working in local community with um, local community groups from different faiths and different religions and backgrounds so there's an awful lot of work to be done and as i say no one at watford wants to rest on the laurels of being given the advanced standard we want to make sure we go and retain it now for the next for the next couple of years absolutely and i i know that along with what you've just said dave is the um organization kick it out which i think watford fc have worked very closely with over the last few mm -hmm. years and done some really important work there as well on the Kick It Out initiative. And that organization has been around, I think, at least 25 years now. And I know Watford's worked very closely with those efforts as well uh, in terms of from the terraces and, and from these clubs uh, on the field. So um, I know that you do a lot of great work with all of these things. And so I'm really, really thankful um, that Watford are so forward thinking in, in all of these ways that you've described. And I think that your appointment is an important one because you're going to be bringing a lot of the of the kinds of skills um, that you've had in, in the previous positions that you've had uh, into this endeavor. And it is a lot of hard work and we need everybody to be involved in that work and people at Watford and I think the fans and everybody else, I'm sure, have, has a role to play as well. Um, what kinds of targets, by the way, do you set um, as an, is there a particular type of target? I know you talked about having this status conferred upon you at the end of every season, mm -hmm. but there, are there specific targets that you try to set within a season or does that just go along? It kind of got within the within the standard. So the standard is, is is broken down into a lot of different areas. And within the standard, there are lots of different targets that are in there as part of it. So there's not one overall thing that we're trying to achieve in terms of the target and numbers. But just to give you one example, uh, workforce targets. So we are trying to incre increase the diversity of our workforce here at the club behind the scenes. Um, on the playing side, I think we've got a pretty diverse playing squad already. But perhaps in the background, you know, those of us that work in the office areas, those of us that work in the, in the background of the training ground, perhaps the diversity of the staff there could be higher. So we've got some workforce targets around appointing more female people, uh, females, appointing more disabled people, appointing more people from Black and um, Asian mixed mixed heritage backgrounds as well. So we've got some of those sort of workforce targets that we're working towards, and we're, we're trying extremely hard to encourage those people to come forward and apply for jobs and work at Watford Football Club. So we're trying to make it. Again, that's one of the big, big areas of focus with the local communities and the different faith and religion groups that, we, that are around Watford and encouraging them and making sure that they're aware of all job adverts that we put out. And if there's people that they know that they that they that are members of their communities that, that are keen to work at the club, you know, let's speak to them, let's find out their details and let's, let's see what, let's see if we can do to help. So we have a lot of targets around, around that sort of area. And in terms of the scheme itself, criteria set by the Premier League's 
um, group that, that looks after the particular scheme. So there's a lot of criteria that they need to meet, and there's a, you know lots and lots of different bits and pieces are there that we could share. But essentially, the, the ultimate goal is to just achieve that advanced standard, and we'll be assessed six times over the course of the two years. So we have an assessor visit will come. They'll look at our action plan. They'll look at the things that we've decided that we want to do. Man monitor our progress against the action plan, and then check that they're happy that the, the inclusion and diversity is embedded across the staff. So right from the chief executive and the owner right down to the to the team lady, if you will, everybody in the club playing their part and playing their role and understanding the importance of the work. That's that's really great to hear. And I know also one other yeah. thing, if I just just remember to mention this, um, recently um, the club came out in support of. Um, uh, Muslim uh, athletes and, and the initiatives that they were doing as well. Um, and I know the Watford have get, gotten involved in that too. So again, I, I really, uh, as a fan of the club, I must say, um, Watford are definitely making these strides and doing a lot of conscientious and important work. The, the great thing about that, the great thing about the charter that you mentioned now as well, it's fantastic. But it, again, this is, this, is, this is player led. So this is something that came out of conversations with Ismail Asar and Ashraf Nazar, both Muslim players, both observing Ramadan in the closing months of the, and weeks of the season. So this all came from conversations there about making sure that we were providing them with the right diet. So that when they broke their fast, they were still getting the nutrition that they needed, how we could best look after them while they're in the hotel teams, because there's obviously been a lot of hotel action for the players over the last year and a bit with, with, um, with the COVID situation. So we, did a, we were doing a lot of work for Ismailer and Ashraf to make sure that they had everything that they needed and everything at their disposal and also helping the coaches to understand at academy level for players that are in the academy set up as well making sure that they have everything they need and the nutrition is right for them so starting from that work is where we then got involved in the in the muslim athlete charter as well we were, we were delighted to sign up for that you alls will return in just a moment with more from dave messenger the edi and disability access officer for watford football club Attention all Watford fans, I'm Omar Moore, podcast host of Yuorns and a long-time Watford fan and I am pleased to say that you can now purchase merchandise connected to this podcast, merchandise all designed by yours truly. And you can head to the store to get it. It's youorns.com, Y-O-U-O-R-N-S.com for T-shirts and a lot more to come. So please head on down to the store right now and purchase your merchandise. International shipping is available. Please head to the store for youorns at Y-O-U-O-R-N-S.com. Youorns! One of the things I wanted to ask you, Dave, is about um, what the uh, where you see Watford Football Club with some of the initiatives they're doing. The sensory room. I don't know if you can speak about the sensory room at all. Um, I would like to ask you about that because you, apparently, if I memory serves me correctly. Watford is one of only two or three clubs, not just in England, but maybe on the entire planet, that has a sensory room um, on its stadia premises and its stadia. Uh, and can you talk about what the sensory room is 
and what it provides for 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 people who use that room yeah absolutely uh, the sensory room um i'm not sure exactly on the stats and the numbers that there are now because i know that there's a particular amount of interest in the us and in japan about including these sorts of uh, sensory rooms in in sports stadia but ours was one of the definitely one of the first in the premier league and, and therefore one of the first in the world um and ours was the first one that was purpose-built so and the clubs that had them before us had used other space, but we actually purpose-built the sensory room in this particular space. But essentially what it is, it's a room for children on the autism spectrum um, to be able to come and watch and enjoy football in a safe and calm and comfortable environment. So historically and typically, these children would, would present and come to the stadium and things like the noise of the crowd or just the sheer number of people or the, the colours or the uh, so much the, of the, the sensory the things that we experience at football would be distressing and, and upsetting for them and quite commonly what you find with, with children with autism they can't stay in the stadium for more than five minutes before they go into a sensory overload what you'd call a meltdown and then have to leave the stadium so the whole concept of the stadium of a sensory room was developed from that point a family got in touch a family of Sunderland supporters got in touch with their club to say this had happened with their child and what could they do about it and that's where the first sensory room came from so what we've tried to do is we've tried to create a facility and, and that children can come to first and foremost to watch the match in a safe environment. So the noise is it's not completely silent in there because that wouldn't make any that wouldn't be the best way to enjoy football. But certainly the crowd the, the noise is the crowd noise is piped in and we can volume control it. So if the crowd noise is too much for any of the children in the room, we can just turn the volume down on it. But essentially it creates a calm and comfortable environment for these children to be able to come and watch and enjoy the football and essentially get used to the surroundings a little bit because quite a lot of these of these children now when as they start to get older and as they start to use the sensory room more and more what actually happens is three or four games in they're saying to mum and dad well actually can we go outside i want to, I want to go and stand outside and see what it's like there so our staff in the sensory room are trained and ready for that eventuality and we try to help and encourage the families to get to that point and where we've been particularly successful is we've had about 100 families that have used the sensory room since it opened. But the best story of all is that 15 of those families have transitioned from using the sensory room to becoming season ticket holders in the general access areas of the stadium. And fortunately, we're going to have a few more families when COVID is over that have already said, yeah, you know, we're ready to come and get season tickets now. So for us, that's the story of the sensory room, because without that facility, those children wouldn't have got to that position where they felt comfortable being in the stadium and where they felt comfortable with the environment. I wanted to be there every week and wanted to be able to go into general access areas and stadium. I'll tell you one lovely story that that, um, that sums it up better than anything else is we had one one young lad who came with his dad and they'd had exactly the problem I described earlier where where um, they'd come to matches and the noise had been too much and they'd left after five minutes. So this lad and his dad came to about four games, I think, in the sensory room and then his dad said, oh, we'd like to sort of have a look at maybe going and sitting in the main bit of the stand so they did that for a couple of games and they ended up buying season tickets what they did when they bought the season tickets we said to them you can still use the sensory room to enter the stadium so they come in through the sensory room they spend a couple of minutes in the sensory room and they go out through to their seats so the first season they had the season tickets they were coming in and doing as i've just described the second season they had season tickets they'd come into the sensory room and the son would be like come on dad we're going outside and the dad would be like hang on i'm having a I'm having a chat here i'm just like, cool and having a nice time here we'll go outside in five minutes the little boy's champion at the bit because he wants to go and watch the players warm up third season this they, they didn't even turn up for the first couple of games they didn't come through the sensory room at all 
the sensory room staff said to me, oh, there's the, you know, the dad and his lad, right? they also used his names. I'm not going to protect the protect my child's um, identity here by not using their names, but sensory room staff, you know, some of his dad didn't come through. We were a bit worried about them. So third game in for the season, I said, yeah, that is a bit concerning. I'll give him a ring. So I rang the dad during the week and I said, oh, we, and staff have noticed that you haven't been using the sensory room to access the stadium. He says, nah, he won't come in through the sensory room anymore. He likes to go through the turnstiles with the rest of the fans. And as soon as they come in the turnstiles, he goes down to the front and watch the team. And I can't think of a better example of how the sensory room has worked because without the sensory room being there, dad and that don't get to that point and... They don't have that wonderful experience that so many families watching Whitman have had where the baton is passed to the next generation of supporters, if you will. And um, I'm waiting to speak to them again when, when fans get back in because I know the last time I spoke to the dad at the end of the, um, just not long before the pandemic, actually, I bumped into him at an away game. I got chatting to him and said, uh, he's not coming to away games yet. Then your son, he says, no, no, I think we'll, we'll leave that for a little bit. But he did tell me he wants to move to the rookery now to go in where all the singing is. So it's, again, <laughs> without that, Without the sensory room, it's the starting point. You don't get to that point. And that's, that for me is, that example is the greatest example, if you will, of, of what a sensory room is for, why it exists, because we used it to break down the barriers for his son. And as I say, four or five games wanted to start just going out and seeing what, the, what it was like in the main bit of the stadium. And, and, and now we're at the point, as they see the tickets in the main bowl and possibly move to the rookery. So that, all of those things contribute to the story of the sensory room. That's, that's wonderful. It's a wonderful story, and then it's a really good story, and it's mm. and that's what the, the example of what Watford Football Club does uh, really transforms a lot of uh, mm. people who come and enjoy the atmosphere. And I think I think one of the last questions I want to ask you, if you can talk a bit, I know that um, Anne Swanson's the person who is really the brainchild of this, the family mm. closure, because that's still very much a part of Vicarage Road. Um, I remember the days when it used to be on the side of the pitch, you know, on the other side of the pitch. And now it's kind of behind where the, I guess, where the terraces were at one point, mm. uh, back in the 70s and 80s and before. Um, can you talk about the family enclosure at all? I can, yeah. I mean, my memory of watching Watford as well, the wonderful work here goes back to that era. And um, never actually stood on the family enclosure because on the family terrace because my dad always wanted us to go and stand on the bend by the Shrodell stand, which is where he'd always stood. So when he started taking me and my brother, we never got to actually experience the family enclosure on the family terrace. But so much of what was set up in that period of time in the early 1980s informs what we do today. And I think the thing with the family enclosure and the family terrace, the legacy that created of being the only football club at that point in time, we were trying to encourage families to come to matches. Here we are, best part of 40 years later, and we're still out there. We're still encouraging people from different backgrounds. We're still encouraging families. And, and that legacy started with Anna Swanson and the family enclosure and the, and the family terrace and, and, and built from there. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's difficult as a club because we're operating in a different world to the world that, Elton John and Graham Taylor operated in the early 80s. You know, the world has changed, football has moved on considerably. Players are, you know, a little bit less likely to do things in the community than they once were. But those players that still do buy into that concept we've seen in previous in, in recent years, people like Jorge Gomez, Christian Cabaselli, Adrian Mariapa, Troy Deeney, these people have done so much work in the community. And it's very easy to label footballers don't want to get involved anymore. But the fact of the matter is the world has changed and what we try to do with the players is we, we, we involve them as much as we possibly can in all of that work. But the bottom line is that things aren't as easy as they once were. But if, as long as we're always guided by that spirit and as long as we're always guided by that philosophy, then I don't think we can really go wrong. Because 
because to keep those those things to keep that ethos central to what we're trying to do at Watford is is, is huge, and it is difficult in the, in the, in the modern footballing world. You know, it's not as easy as it once was, but it doesn't mean we should stop, and it doesn't mean we shouldn't keep trying and doing what we can. That's what we're about, just trying as best we can to live up to that original family club ethos that we that was created here, and. Sometimes we fail and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we succeed, but we always try and we always want to and we always, we let, that drives us, that drives those of us that work behind the scenes at the club to, to go and achieve, to create a sensory room, to do a Horn, the Hornets at Home scheme, to be calling people during the pandemic, to be providing support to families that have lost a loved one, to enable them to come down to the stadium to bring some flowers, things that, again, things like that that we do that nobody ever hears about or sees about them. The stuff that's integral to the to the feeling of being a part of the football club. And I say, if we ever if we ever lose that, that's the day I go out the door because it won't be the club that I grew up with and that I've loved for forty years. Yeah, no, well said, and I appreciate your kind words. I wanted to finally say to you or ask you, has it sunk in yet that Watford are back where they belong in the Premier League? <laughs> Honestly, for me. It still hasn't sunk in yet. It's not going to until August the 14th. But what about yourself? But you're, not, you're obviously not paying attention anymore because everybody else is just like, everyone else is still the last Watford game they came to. I know it's different, difficult for you where you live, but for the vast majority of Watford fans, you hear it all the time. The last game they came to was a 3-0 v Liverpool because that's where the stadium then closed. And yeah, you had these silly games where you had 2,000 fans in for games last season, but it's like a bad dream. It's like we've all woken up from a bad dream, so... To answer your question, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think it's sunk in that we're back because I don't think we've ever really been away. And I know that off the pitch last season certainly was a really, really trying year for us because we couldn't do a lot of the things that we wanted to do. But we put things like the Hornets at Home scheme in, all the support for the NHS. We were doing all of that good stuff, but at the same time, we're trying to support a football team that wanted to get back to the Premier League at the first opportunity. But now we're here, genuinely, genuinely feels like we've never been away. And the fixtures comes out and it's like, oh, I can't see any of the championship teams on here, like Bournemouth and uh, Luton yeah. and, uh, and people like that. I don't seem to be on this fixture list, so we must be back in the Premier League. So it's great. It's it, For us, it's to have that sort of, you know, to have had that year. And it, was a, it took us to some tough places last season, on the pitch especially. You know, there were some there were some times when there was some real sort of soul searching required. But the bottom line is that the owners here once again took a decisive action to change the coach, and they've been rewarded for that. So, yeah, I, I, I genuinely, absolutely, it's sunk in. We're back in the Premier League. There's so much work to do, so we must be back in the Premier League. But um, yeah, it's 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 great, and it was a it was a tough season, and it was difficult without the fans being in the ground. But you know, again, we tried to producing Hive Live and a lot of people especially across the world are really keen on, on Hive Live and that helps you stay attached to things as well so that's all good but it was a weird old season but it's great it's great to be back in the Premier League and we can't wait for August the 14th and, and hopefully again hopefully we'll have a full house of supporters back in here that day so that's what we're hoping for more than anything else right now is to have that first game back and to have a have a full house here at Vicarage Road and a roof coming off the roof we score about Great. Yes, Dave, indeed. I, I share your sentiments exactly. I've been speaking with Dave Messenger. He is the EDI and Disability Access Officer at Watford Football Club. Uh, Dave, thank you so very much for your time today on You Owns. Thank you so You're much welcome. for being here. You're welcome. Thank you. Don't forget to participate in the Yuan's Golden Giveaway. There are fans who have already done so 
and they have become winners. Every now and again, I will be giving away merchandise. I won't tell you exactly what or exactly when, but I'll be giving one or two things away merchandise-wise. You never know. It might be a Watford kit for the brand new season. Well, you'll have to stay tuned and find out, won't you? But don't forget to subscribe to the necessary channels to stay in touch and keep informed about when these giveaways will occur. You Yuorns WFC on Twitter. That's Y-O-U-O-R-N-S-W-F-C. That is the same handle you can use on Twitter, on Instagram, and you can search you Orns WFC on YouTube to get the YouTube channel. You can do the very same in the search on Facebook. And don't forget, there is also the podcast website at Y-O-U-O-R-N-S dot WordPress dot com, as well as the news and information site at Y-O-U-O-R-N-S-W-F-C dot WordPress dot com. Well, what a summer it has been at Watford. My goodness me. The amount of signings that the ladies and men's teams have done in just these last few weeks is astounding. It literally is astounding. For Watford FC women, Lenny Priest, Amber Keegan-Stodds, Flo Five, and Mia Smith all signed for Watford FC women this summer. In a matter of days between each of those signings, some of them two on the same day. In fact, I think Lenny Priest and Amber Keegan Stobbs were both signed on the same day. And then just a few days after that, Flo Fife and Mia Smith were signed on the same day. Things look really good for Watford FC women, by the way. And now that they are in the FA Women's Championship, they are going to, I think, go some places. Really go some places. Their promotion was well-deserved, and I'm very happy for it. And I certainly believe that Watford fans everywhere would join me in saying congratulations to Watford FC women. And they've received a lot of love from Watford fans all over the world, all across the world. And I look forward to more from Watford FC women during the coming season. It's going to be a lot of fun. And hopefully another great season for Watford women. As for the men, they have signed so many players, it's hard to keep up with. In fact, on Friday, July the 9th alone, Watford signed three players. And these were dynamic signings, really good ones. And they saved the very best until last. Joshua King. That's right, that Joshua King. No relation to Marlon King. But Joshua King, he of Bournemouth. And Bournemouth is a club that the Watford faithful do not really care much for. And that's happened over the years, and especially the last few years in particular. So to have Josh King, Joshua King, come from Bournemouth to Watford on a two-year deal 
with an option for a third year is absolutely great. To say the very least, it's brilliant. It's a masterstroke move from Gino Pozzo and Scott Duxbury. And you've got to look at this and think, wow, this is the, stri- this is the striker that we really do need. Now, I don't know what Cisco's going to do in terms of his formation coming up for the Premier League. He may tinker with it. He may change it. And I've suggested that he probably should, as good as the formation was in the championship. This is now a step up. And people will have figured Watford out through looking at tape and scouting and all kinds of things. They would have figured Watford out. So it's now up to Cisco and company to change the balance and to change the way the tactics go and to do all those things. And so all of these signings are really good. And I could tell you about the other two that took place on Friday, July the 9th of this year. One of those was of a young lad, 19 years of age, from Scotland, who probably will end up going out on loan. But his name is Dapo Mbude. And he is 19, as I said. Played for the Scottish champions, Glasgow Rangers. Played for Queen of the South as well. In fact, earlier this year, he played for both of those teams in the space of a few months. And then he left Glasgow Rangers um, earlier, literally earlier this week, I think it was, or just sometime last week. And voila, you know, incredible. Now he's a Watford player. I suspect, and it was a two-year deal with an option for two more years, I suspect that he will go out on loan. But you don't know. We'll see. We'll see. This is really exciting because he's a striker. He's somebody who can put the ball in the back of the net. He's got electrifying pace and certainly has an eye for goal, as as do a lot of the players that Watford have signed. The other player that I didn't mention that was signed on Friday, July the 9th, 2021, was none other than Peter Itebo from the side in the championship, Stoke City. Now, Itebo is on loan at Stoke City, and he's on loan from Stoke City, I should say, um, at Watford for this season. So a season-long loan for him at Vicarage Road, and then he'll have to head back to Stoke City. Now, he has played a few games for Stoke, but not a heck of a lot of games for Stoke. And he um, has joined Watford now after doing his medical, put a message out on social media, on Watford's social media channel as well. And it's just been a fabulous, fabulous array of signings of these last few weeks for Watford. I've told you about others in the previous episode of this podcast, but there have been more since, and I just wanted to update you on some of those. And Atebo is a Nigerian international and is a midfielder. He's someone who um, is physical and very strong in midfield. And I guess whomever he's partnered with in midfield, whether they go to a, a pairing of two or whether he's holding by himself um, or whether they do something different where they kind of do a diamond or whatever they do, I'm sure that... Um, he will be a rock. And he is kind of the kind of guy that um, Carlos Sanchez was. And they let Sanchez go because he was alone. And it was going to be literally until the end of the season. And then they said, well, we're not going to renew your contract. Although I think Carlos Sanchez should have stayed because I think he is the right kind of player for Watford. And he has the right kind of mentality. And he 
did so well in the game against Reading when Watford were in that other league that we've now forgotten. <laughs> he was so good in that game, and he just made the game look so easy and effortless, although there's a lot of skill involved, of course, to make it look that way to begin with. So Carlos Sanchez was on his bike and gone, and thank you, Carlos, for everything. And we um, sent him off nicely, having been promoted. And then we bring in Peter Etebo, who I think is going to do some of the very same things. He's 25, so he's a bit younger than Carlos Sanchez. But he's going to do the same kind of very similar type of things that uh, Carlos Sanchez did last season for Watford. So those are three signings. Um, I've already talked about Emmanuel Dennis, and I've talked about Quadwell Barr, and I've talked about Matty Pollock, and I've talked about Danny Rose, um, who signed just three, you know, just a few short, about three or four weeks ago now. It's been amazing how many players Watford have come with now. But this is two things to keep in mind here. Number one, this is now Cisco Munoz's team. Cisco Munoz has now made it very clear that this is his team and he's shaping it in the way he sees fit. And more importantly than that, the board have given him permission to do so. And they've said to him, here. And while they have obviously had some say in all of this, um, they certainly have given Cisco the keys to the castle and to make some of these decisions to do this because these are definitely players that are out of the mold of a Cisco and... I think that this is him now putting his imprimatur on this Watford squad. He didn't get to do that in any great or authentic way last season because he was coming into a situation on Boxing Day of last year, 2020. And so he had to really prove himself. But this, make it no mistake, this is Cisco's team. And he has made it very clear. I'll talk more about that in a moment. Attention all Watford fans, I'm Omar Moore, podcast host of Yawns and a long-time Watford fan. And I am pleased to say that you can now purchase merchandise connected to this podcast, merchandise all designed by yours truly. And you can head to the store to get it. It's youorns.com, Y-O-U-O-R-N-S.com for T-shirts and a lot more to come. So please head on down to the store right now and purchase your merchandise. International shipping is available. Please head to the store for youorns at Y-O-U-O-R-N-S.com. Youorns! So what Cisco Munoz is doing now is putting his stamp on this Watford side. And I've said this before the break, and I will say it again now. This is his team now. What you are getting from these signings that have happened in this offseason, and who knows, maybe there's some more to come, is a squad that is deep, a squad that has multiple talents and varied talents and skills and skill sets and technical ability. Uh, 
and a squad that is built to last because you've got a younger squad. You have a squad that is younger. A lot of the players that Watford have signed in this offseason are under the age of 25, with maybe two exceptions. Josh King, who is 29 years of age, and Danny Rose, who is 30 or 31 years of age. Other than that, almost everyone else is 25 or younger. Emmanuel Dennis, who was signed earlier in the offseason, he is the uh, forward of lightning quick pace. He is 25 years old. Imran Luma is either 25 or 24. Matty Pollock is, I think, still a teenager. And you've got someone like Peter Etebo, who is 25. You've got the Scottish youngster I just talked about earlier on, who was signed on July the 9th. He is 19. You've got Ashley Fletcher, who is 25, I believe, the striker from Middlesbrough. I mean, you've got so many players that Watford have signed in this offseason who are 25 or younger. And it's clear that what Cisco Munoz is going for is a younger hungrier side that is going to be built to last and deep in every position, which is what he's done. He's signed defenders. He's signed midfielders. He has signed strikers. He has at least six strikers. Ashley Fletcher, Andre Gray, Troy Deeney, Emmanuel Dennis, Joshua King, and the... Young lad that was signed today, as I said before, or not today, but was signed um, a few days ago uh, on Friday, July the 9th. Just, uh, you know, it was just incredible the kind of uh, signings that they've got. And it's Dapo Mabude, who is 19 and a striker. So you've got all of these people, and I think that's all the strike force, and Stipe Pericha is part of that too. Um, and I think that, you know, I'll get to this in a moment, but I think that his time is up at Vicarage Road, as is Andre Gray's on the strike force part. So you've got all of these people. And obviously what you know is that Watford have done a really good bit of business here. Now, it will take time for these players to gel, It will take time for them to get to know each other and get the chemistry right and get that right on the pitch. So it's not all going to happen instantly, but that's what you have a preseason for, to work all of these things out and iron out the kinks. And there's still, still, just about six weeks left before we get to the five weeks left, just before we get to the start of the Premier League season, which is unbelievable that it's only about five weeks, under five weeks to go before we get back to Premier League football, or just about that. So I, I am I'm really hopeful about this Watford squad. I really am. And uh, I think that you're going to see something special this coming season if Watford have finished the, their, their transfer hunt. I mean, they've done their business early in the earlier part of the window, which I think is really good. Whereas if they were someone that had just been promoted through the playoffs, like Brentford, for example, they'd be crushed crushed for time to do things and sometimes they'd make pressure deals and Watford to me have not made pressure deals they've got uh, many of the people they've wanted to get and some that they haven't um, you know they're still exploring uh, other options and I think in midfield even but I think now this is probably going to be 
the major signings in, of Watford for this off-season, although there's still all this time left in the window, a good five or six weeks, and I do think that Watford perhaps may go, f- who knows, I mean, they may go for someone else in addition. But my whole point here is what goes up must come down, right? So if you've signed all these players, you will have to expect that Watford are going to let some go because they're going to be trimming the squad prior to, I guess, what, the first week of the season or the first week into the season or whenever they do that. I've always forgotten what date that is specifically on the calendar, but they do trim that squad and they are going to be letting people go. And I had posted a question on Twitter at Uorns, W-F-C, Y-O-U-O-R-N-S-W-F-C, asking about which of the following players do you think is most likely to leave Vicarage Road by the end of the transfer deadline window. And my four choices in that query, which is on Twitter at Y-O-U-O-R-N-S-W-F-C. Here are my four choices. And they're not in any particular order. Andre Gray, Stipe Pericha, Will Hughes, or Isaac Success. And those are all names that have been talked about in possible deals. Um, Stipe Pericha, I think, is one that may not have been as much uh, to talk on, but the other three certainly were and have been. And so... The question becomes, who's leaving Vicarage Road now? We all know who's here and who's arrived at Vicarage Road. Who is leaving? Who is going to be loaned out? Well, you know, I think Quadwo Bar is probably going to be loaned out and maybe a couple of other players. Um, perhaps even uh, Dapo Mabude might be as well. He's 19. Um, Watford may ask him to go out on the road and get some experience. Um, who knows? I mean, they've got Pesetto on loan. And I don't know if he's ever going to play for Watford again. Ignacio Pesetta made that important goal line clearance against Tottenham Hotspur in a Premier League game back in, I think, early 2020 that ended nil-nil. And Troy Deeney missed a penalty in that game at Vicarage Road, if you may remember, because I do. But the point being that Watford may be loaning out a few. But this is Cisco's side now. It's not Ivic's side. It's not Javi Gracia's side, it's Cisco's side. And Cisco now is shaping that team. Now the question is, who is leaving? Now, I think that Will Hughes is going to be leaving. I've not seen any photographs of Will Hughes in these training sessions. Normally, that's what you see. You see all these squad members training smiles on their faces, whether those smiles are actual or not actual. Right, But the point is is that they're all hard at work right now. Domingos Kina I saw in photos. I saw, you know, Troy Dini in photos and Christian Cabaselli in photos and all of these players in photos. But not Will Hughes and not Andre Gray. Now, I know Andre Gray is going to be away here in the United States, as a matter of fact, for the Gold Cup and all of that. And best of luck to him. But Andre Gray has not featured in anything uh, in terms of even warm-ups, appearance in a warm-up, in a lineup for the warm-ups in Watford. So I think Andre Gray is out too. I think that the fact that they've got all these strikers now in multi-positional, multi-talented areas of the pitch leaves and renders Andre Gray kind of superfluous, surplus to requirements because you've got players in the strike force now who can do exactly what Andre Gray does and are younger than he, which means that, hey... Youth wins the day 
in football, pretty much. And that means that some of the older um, players don't get a look in, unless you're Juan Ligi, Juan, Juan, uh, Juan Ligi uh, Buffon, who is in his mid-40s now and is still playing in goal for his local club side, the club side that he started his career with, I believe. So, you know, there was always exceptions. But there's no doubt now that Cisco is putting his imprimatur on the team, his stamp on the Watford FC. And he is also not afraid to bring in new players, but he's obviously not afraid to say goodbye to some of the players here. And I think now that you're going to see um, definitely Stipe Parice gone. And you're definitely going to see Will Hughes gone. Now, I don't know where that leaves Andre Gray, but I don't think it leaves him here at Vicarage Road. Well, I want to thank my guest once again, Dave Messenger, for uh, being on this podcast episode of You Owns. And I do want to say to you, thank you very much for your listening here. And don't forget to continue to follow You Owns on Twitter at You Owns WFC. And don't forget, there's a YouTube channel that you can subscribe to as well. Search in the YouTube area, search button for, search space for you owns WFC. Same thing on Instagram and on Facebook as well. So until next time, you owns. Attention all Watford fans, I'm Omar Moore, podcast host of Yawns, and a long-time Watford fan, and I am pleased to say that you can now purchase merchandise connected to this podcast, merchandise all designed by yours truly, and you can head to the store to get it, it's youawns.com, Y-O-U-O-R-N-S.com, for t-shirts and a lot more to come. So please head on down to the store right now and purchase your merchandise. International shipping is available. Please head to the store for Yawns at Y-O-U-O-R-N-S dot com. Yawns!